Hi, and welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with NASCAR and NBC analyst Kyle Petty, direct from Homestead Miami Speedway. We're talking on the Monday after the middle race of the round of eight, which was won by Kyle Larson and Kyle Petty. Let's talk about Kyle Larson. Okay. Uh, you, you said after the race, I thought you had some great post-race analysis, and you were talking about how Larson gets eliminated from the playoffs, obviously gets eliminated from the championship race, not from the playoffs itself, by making the big mistake at the Roval. Yes. And that was clearly an example of he just lost his focus That's right. in the last 15 laps. At Homestead, I was just looking this up. So the race was three hours and five minutes. Kyle Larson led 199 laps. I'm guessing that for more than two hours, he was six inches from the wall. Yes. Whatever, 180 to 200 miles an hour. And you talked about this post-race. I mean, how mentally draining it must be to run the wall that much and still yeah. he made it through unscathed. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I don't I don't have anything in my career to, to gauge that type of focus to. You know what I mean? Because it is just hit your mark, getting in, hit your mark, picking up the gas, and it's a feel thing. And just power off. And he said he touched the wall a couple of times. If he did, it sped him up. It didn't slow. <laughs> him, it didn't slow him down. But but the thing is that 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 is the enigma sometimes that is Kyle Larson. You can't. Who is Kyle Larson? Right. Last year, the greatest race car driver on the face of the earth. If you listen to Jennifer Fryer and and some of the <laughs> things that were said, you know, can drive anything, anywhere, anytime. So here we give you a brand new next gen car. And you don't show up right. all year long. And when you do, you make mistakes. So who is Kyle Larson? You know, and, and that's that's the funny part to me. I mean, and he said it, and, and when you watch the Roval, it, it's in a place he's not being pressured by anybody. There's nobody in front of him. And it's that split-second lack of focus that it steps out, he's in the wall, and his chances are over. Then he goes down here, and he puts it on the wall on the first lap, and he hammers it there all day long. And like you said, leads for – a good two and a half hours of that three hour, three and a half hour race or whatever it is, and never made a mistake. Never made a mistake coming down pit road. Never made it. Never put a foot wrong, uh, as far as I, I was concerned. So, it is. It has to be incredibly mentally taxing, more so than physical. But that's the Kyle Larson we've all expected. I, I, I said yesterday, just off air while we were talking, I said, finally. Kyle Larson was born. Six months later, they had him win in Homestead, and he's never won. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And he's never right. got there. And right. finally, he got there. So thank goodness for him, too. Right. You the know, the track that, that seems like it was tailor-made for the guy who yep. runs the cushion in dirt races, like knows how to rip yep. the fence, as they say. And for whatever reason, well, I, there were a few good reasons. I mean, one was in 2016, he should have won this race and got caught sleeping on the final restart by Jimmy Johnson, who won the yep. race and won the title. There was 2017 where Larson kind of said, I don't want to get in the middle of Martin Truex Jr. versus yep. Kyle Busch for the title and pretty much didn't try to win the race, like he That's said right. this later. So this was, I guess, his first real opportunity to win this race since then. And, and like you said, he finally did it. What do you think it says about Larson's ability to be able to do that? And I think you're right. Like you framed it really well. Like, is this enigma of sometimes I think we think he's not cut out to run these long races? I know. Because he's come up sprint cars yeah. and, you know, the feature races, yes. and the 30 lap heats and that kind of thing. And, but then he goes and does this, which is just, as you said, like it's so mentally draining. And he just, he barely put a wheel wrong. I mean, I think you could almost make a case that this might have been one of the best races he's driven in oh, his yeah. career. I, you can, I think you can definitely make that case. We've seen him win races, pulling away on a track that he was just, he should have. The car he had where he was at. He made this car fast. Yeah. He made this car. Listen, there were moments in this race that he was two and three-tenths faster 
than the than the field on 25 and 30 lap tires. I mean, not just a little bit. That's two and three tenths against Denny Hamlin. Two and three tenths against you know Martin Truex. That 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 was impressive when you start looking at some of that stuff. So that that is the part for me. You know, you, you watch these guys and they come out of sprint car racing and and. You know, it's like, yeah, man, they're going to be good truck drivers and Xfinity drivers because those are short races. They got that short attention span. They'll get up on the wheel, elbows up, all those cliches that you use to describe driving a race car. And and we're going to do that. And But then they move to the next level, and it's like, well, what happened to that guy? It, you know what I mean? But he moved to that next level, and that was the knock on him. You know, he'd go to Charlotte and lead for the first three hours of the 600, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and then no, get in exactly. the wall. You know, yeah. Casey Kane, same way. Yeah. All those guys, they would just do that. And yeah. you said, don't worry about it, man. They're, don't worry about that guy. Let him go. Let him go. He's going to take care of himself. And they would. But last year, you know, he took care of a lot of stuff. But this was a drive. This was a drive that no matter how fast that car was, he had to put it in the right position on the racetrack to find that speed. Wasn't going to run that speed around the bottom. Wasn't going to run that speed in the middle. It had to be up there next to the wall. This was, for me, one of his finest moments. And we talked about it a little bit uh, before we went on air post-race, that this was one of the best put-together races all the way through. And he talks about, he talked in, in his post-race about Cliff giving the speech. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I think they were, this was a team effort. And they went into this saying, we've got to turn this thing around at some point in time. And I think they did. That's a big statement going into these last couple of races, but I, I think it's a bigger statement to say we might have figured something out going into next year. I think there is uh, something to be said for that. You said that you can't really compare what he did at this track to you know tracks that you ran during your career. It, would Darlington be the closest facsimile to what Homestead is in terms of running the wall? Yeah, yeah, you could say that, but yeah. but not not like, like this. this. Not like this. Not like this because you had to do this every lap. You know, Darlington, you go in turn one, which is turn three, which is now turn one, I guess. And, you know, you'd let it dr slip up and you'd get up on the gas and you'd bounce off the wall a couple of times. And it wasn't a big deal in those old cars, but you knew it was going to happen. You, you knew things were going to, but it wasn't going to tear the rear end out. It wasn't going to do a lot of things. You, you know what I mean? But you didn't have to run up there every lap. You could drop it down the middle. We see Kevin Harvick. He still runs the middle of the racetrack down and, and what is one and two more so than up next to the wall. You could find different places to run at Darlington. You didn't have to run up there. And I don't think you have to run up there today at Darlington. There's not many racetracks that we ever run that you had to go to that place. But I think the new gear rule and a lot of things that we have has forced the hand of drivers where they say, well, I can't run the bottom anymore. I got to go up there. Yeah. That's why it's such a hard place for some other guys because they're like, I just don't know how to run up there. I don't know what I'm doing when I go up there. So, But I, I think it, I don't think there's any place we ever run that was this way. Another factor here is the next gen, which as yep. maligned as it's been this year, this might be one of its big upsides. You mentioned it. Kyle Larson did say he hit the wall three times during yep. the race, and he said that would have killed the Gen 6, would have blunted the old car from having any momentum at all. And in many ways, like to your point, like maybe he goes faster with this car because it's yep. so <laughs> indestructible. Yeah. Jeff Burton's been talking about that since last week, that he felt as if this would be an opportunity for the next gen to shine, even though everybody's worried about, oh, everybody's just going to run the fence. Well, it's going to be the difference between who is willing to really go over the edge and know that th they can trust this car yeah. more than they could with previous versions yeah. of the car. Yeah, we heard it when the Xfinity cars went from steel body to the carbon. Composite. Composite. Yeah. yeah. Then we, we heard it from Tyler Reddick. I think I'm going to be able to, to lean on the wall a little bit more and not worry about bending the fenders and not worry. And he did. And he won two championships down there. You know what I mean? Doing exactly that. One, one with I think one was with a steel and one was with a composite. So I think he, he looked at it different. And I think all the drivers have anticipated that. 
what what they didn't anticipate was the weak toe link and getting that right rear end to the wall <laughs> and, yeah. and busting that toe yeah. link. But they've beefed that up as the year has gone on. They've changed that. So I, I think that that has been the big deal. But I, I think the other thing is that we saw on Saturday that we didn't see on Sunday was that guys would get into the wall and with the really wide sidewalls, they would just burn the sidewall off. On the tire. On the tire, yeah. and then have a flat rear. I don't know if these the smaller sidewall helps that. I huh. don't know if the tire was a plus. Because we saw guys get in the wall just as hard on Sunday as we did on Saturday. But we saw very few flat right rears. Saw very few flat tires from guys rubbing up against the wall. Uh, where on Saturday we saw multiple tires. So I don't know if that's the tire. I don't know, again, if it has something to do with the symmetrical car where the front is just as close to the wall as the rear is and and the gen six where the xfinity car is yawed so the rear is right there at it so it's the one that's going to get up on it and just stay up on it you know what i mean so i listen i I failed physics um (laughs) and 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 geometry so angles and physics i I failed both of those so i I don't but there's got to be something in there's something in there that why one had trouble and the other one didn't. Well, you know way more about race cars and certainly no. math than I do. <laughs> so I appreciate that insight. I also appreciate the fact that Kyle Larson wins the race. Your man, yep. Ross Chastain. Still digging. Finishes second. <laughs> Not just still digging, man. He's 19 <laughs> points up on the cut line. He's, he's second in the standings. First of all, before we get into this, have you heard anything from Ross about, does he know you picked him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I text him. I text him all the time, man. I text him, <laughs> congratulations. You're making me look like a genius, dude. Keep, keep at it. Because listen, it's so funny, and, and I got to I got to know Ross and be a, be a little bit closer to him when he drove trucks in Xfinity. So many times I'd get up five thirty six o'clock in the morning, and I'd go to a restaurant and have breakfast. You know, whether it was Richmond, whether it was Dover, whatever. There'd be Ross. Hmm. He, he was sitting there. I mean, he's a watermelon farmer. He right. gets up early. You know right. what I mean? I'm sorry, yeah. that's the way it is. So, and, and we'd be, so we had we started we'd have breakfast together. So this is like in his Johnny Davis days. Yeah, when he's yeah, just long, yeah, mid-pack. long yeah. ago. Not yeah, just yeah. when he got to this point. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And he just he had that. I'm gonna make this happen. You know what I mean? I don't know how I'm gonna make this happen, but I'm gonna make this happen. And then he got the Ganassi deal, and so many things kind of started to turn right for him. You know what I mean? You know, I just like his. I like everything about him. I like his attitude. A lot of people don't. That's okay. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's just that way, you know? And yeah. and, and I, I've said it before. A lot of it's jealousy because he's winning races. And, yeah, and that's he's threatening the establishment. Yeah, the establishment. Yeah. That's exactly right. So when you when you get into some of that stuff, there's so much petty jealousy and backbiting and politics in this sport. You know that. So that that's that little cesspool known as the garage area. Um, <laughs> Pit so, of vipers. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, but but yes, he's had had another great race. Two great races in this round. He has two, two solid races. And that was going to be the point I was going to make. I mean, you said from the beginning, Kyle. I mean, and I'll just say this: KP picked Ross Chastain to make the championship for before Darlington. I believe the date was August 29th. Sitting right here at this <laughs> desk on NASCAR American Motormouths. Ross Chastain was in KP's championship four. I don't know anybody else besides Kyle Petty who picked him. And you said that one of the reasons you did it was you didn't think that any of this revenge, retribution people were going to be talking about was going to be coming back on him. And what struck me about Homestead was, I think you're right. I think Ross has been racing differently, Vegas and Homestead, since round of eight started. But he raced around Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin. A.J. Allmendinger, all the history from Coda earlier this year. I mean, three guys who could have paid him back, and he ran them tight and hard, and there was no payback. So is he racing seemingly a little bit differently this round after realizing maybe he could race other guys that hard and not get it back because he's kind of learned how to race around them and they know how to race around him? So here's what I think. I I, I think a couple of things. 
I, I think, A, as a driver, as a driver, we all have one favorite driver, and that's ourself. Okay? <laughs> and and that, that's the way it is. We're just, right. we're, it, right. It's all about us. Okay? So it just so happens that some of the guys that he's racing with are still trying to make something happen for them. Truex still wants to win a race. Right. Why am I going to mess around with Ross Chastain? I need to win a race. I'm, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize me, just to get back at him. Denny, I'm below the cut line. I don't have time to mess with this kid. You know what I mean? I got to go get some points. You know, you look at at AJ. This is a big day for me, man. Yeah. You know, this is our our step into next year. You this know, is this my is, team full time. This next is my year. team full time. Yeah. I got to yeah. show them that we can go out here and do it. So yeah. I think the farther away we get from that the opportunity and the desire to pay back becomes less week in and week out because it, our focus goes from Ross Chastain back to who I am as a driver. You, you know what I mean? I remember it. I'm not going to say. And I thought they all raced each other. It was crazy. I thought Denny, he and Denny had a good race. Denny bumped him. And, and listen, we see that a thousand times during the course of the year. Somebody slides up in front and the car's got to run in the back and it bumps you just to say, I don't appreciate you cutting me off. I understand it. Don't appreciate it. See it at Atlanta. See it at Darlington. You see it so many places coming down the front stretch, and we saw it there with, with those two. But he and Truex, he and AJ had a great friggin' last eight or ten laps of the race, man. I mean, you still didn't know coming. When they went off into turn three on that last lap, you didn't know if they were, A, coming back or who <laughs> was going to come back. And AJ did a great job, and so did Ross. So honest to goodness, if we could take back the rack and pinion from Daniel Suarez, at the Roval, they may have two cars in the, this eight. They may, we may be talking about track house with two cars. They have, if you go back and look at theirs and look at their playoffs, there were moments in the playoffs they pressed for stage points, pressed for stage points, run third, run fourth, run second in a stage, and then at the end of the race, run 12th or 13th. That's okay. I'll take my 12th and go home with my 19 stage points. Right. You, you know what I mean? Right. I'll, t- I'll, I'll take my 15th and go home. With my 15 stage points. I'm good with that. And that's what kept moving him from round to round. And Ross has done the same thing. I mean, in these two races, yes, he's had an opportunity. And they put themselves in an opportunity. But they also put themselves in an opportunity for stage points to put them where they needed to be. So I, I think, listen, Justin Marks and Trackhouse, everybody else was doing it this way. He came in this way. And everybody else has run the playoffs this way. And they've run it this way. And it really looks that way to me from the outside, that they have tried something different. And they've been successful. Uh, will it get them to Phoenix? We'll know when we get to Martinsville. But they have taken a huge step forward these last two races. I think Marty Snyder reported at Vegas that Justin Marks had sat down with Chastain and said, look, you did the things we needed in the first two rounds. Now I'm, I want to take the reins yeah. off a little bit more and have you go for it. Have you noticed, is, is Ross driving a little differently? Or is just the cars are a little better or that's better suited to him? Or? You know what? I would say, and I... If if Marty reported it and that's a and if that is a fact, yeah. okay, if that is true, then I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's a combination of Ross driving like this, waiting for somebody to hit him, and then it didn't happen, and then you do this, and then your owner says, Go. Yeah. And he's like, Okay, let's go. You know what I mean? And then he's back. So I think it's it's time that has healed all this stuff. And another driver that I look at, another driver in in another series. It, it's a, a little bit like, to me, in some ways, like Noah Gregson. Noah was the outcast of the garage area after Road America, okay? And somehow Noah was able to go stand in front of a mirror and talk to himself, and he came back a different person. 
He came back a little bit more mature. He came back a little bit more in control. He came back a little bit more focused. Not a lot of any of that, but a little bit. And all of that has moved him to a different place. And I think Ross probably went inside a little bit and looked at himself and said, okay, what could I have done different? What should I have done different? How should I be? And I think that's what got him lost for a few weeks. But he finally found that place, and he said, okay, here's my beachhead. Now I'll go again. So I, I, think, I think it's probably a combination of a lot of things is where he's at. So going back to Kyle Larson's victory, the race pretty much turns on this pit lane incident between him and Martin Truex Jr. Truex had cycled into the lead on this ill-timed caution flag for Kyle Larson, but then there's another caution flag, and here they are both pitting, and Larson's behind Truex, and we were just talking about this before we started taping, that it appeared to both of us as if it was just Truex didn't realize where he was, and he kind of alluded to this in his interview that, like, hey, the sun's in a different place. We've got debris on the windshields. I mean, this race is starting at a different time of day in a year than ever has. There hasn't been a race, I don't think, at this time in October at Homestead. Normally, this was the finale would be late November after the time change. Last year was in February. So great point. I mean, do all those sort of factor into like why everything this might happen? All of that. All that. Listen, and we were talking about because you'd already heard the drivers say. I can't see the choose cone. Yeah. You know, it's just reflecting off the that paint on the asphalt. You just can't see it. So they had the cone and the fence so you could see where that's at. So there's so many things. And, and the sun, they took down grandstands in turn one where the, the sweet area is. So all those grandstands. So as the oh, sun goes right. down, okay. now it shines under it and over it. So it's coming. <laughs> right. It's even worse. It's worse than it's been. You and that's mean? another so thing they haven't been used to yeah, before. It, no, yeah. not, okay. not been used to that because yeah. there used to be grandstands. Yeah, yeah. So they took those down. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many factors that come into that. It's not an incredibly wide pit road, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. Everything is that teal, turquoise, blue, whatever. So, I mean, it's like that you can't. Deco yeah, race you know, it's, it's that. <laughs> so, I mean, the colors and everything together. And then you got all these pit boards waving and you got all this stuff. And you've got a dirty pitted windshield. It's the end of the race. You've got rubber buildup. We've already talked about it most of the race, how much rubber was little chunks of rubber debris up next to the wall and, and how it was tough to get these guys to go up there and, and pick it up and try to run it off. So there's so many factors. And then he's leading a race. And, you know, he just come past his pit stop. And every driver has done it. Every driver has missed your pit box. Drivers leading before have missed their pit box. He just missed his pit box. There was no way he was going to get in his pit box. He got hit from the rear, spun all the way around, and stopped. And the rotation of the car slowed the car down more than he could have slowed it down with the brakes. You know what I mean? So if he had just turned left and stood on the brakes, he's going to end up at least one pit, maybe a pit and a half past his pit, which messes up these guys behind him because they're trying to get in their pits too. So it's Larson was just an innocent bystander. If Larson checks up, if if Larson even knew it was coming, which I don't believe he knew it was coming. coming No, then we have a major pileup. Because now we've got that pile up six cars deep. The accordion yeah. effect. The accordion back, effect yeah. is, you know, the seventh or eighth car is the guy that's got his hood bowed up and can't see anything. Everybody else gets a bump, but that seventh or eighth guy. So, you know, and, and the big picture, it's, it has to be, this has to be, and, and I, I heard Truex say, well, it has to be a little bit my fault. Yes, it, <laughs> 99.9% is yeah. a little bit. You yeah. know, it, it is. And, and there's nothing that, that Larson could have done. If it had been Chastain behind him, nothing Chastain could. No matter who was behind him at that point in time, I don't think you could have anticipated or seen it. So in a way, like he almost caught a break. He did catch he a break. He was spun into yeah. that stall. Caught like, a huge break. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. caught a huge break. The bad part about about all of this is, is you know, is the safety of pit road. And, yeah. and I thought his yeah. crew did a tremendous job. I mean, they were throwing stuff and getting back over the wall. They reacted, but you don't always have that. So we're, we, we were, they were very fortunate. The whole sport was There's fortunate. only so much you can do to yeah, safeguard right. the pits. Thankfully, no one was hit in that instance. So Kyle Larson wins, and we have this interesting situation now, Kyle, where Larson, his car, his team now are in the championship four. This is the first time we've had this scenario in the current NASCAR playoff era that started in 2004. This has always been a possibility, but until this year, we had never seen it come to fruition. So after the race, Larson actually says, yes, my, if I say we were to win Phoenix, like my name isn't going to be on the, the championship, but having our team be the, the champion, I think is, is honestly better than that. You know, like I would hate to be in Ryan Blaney's position I think he's the one that's only in on driver, not owner. I would hate to be in his position and say he wins the championship and he is credited with the championship and not his team. So if I was to have it one way or the other, I would rather be out on my end and, and be able to celebrate the team championship. So I'm happy that we get to go compete for that again. And, and honestly, that's, that's the paycheck too. So uh, we're going to go for that and you know, we're fired up about it. I don't know if he looked at this race differently, but the fact the way he closed this out, we talked about it earlier that he did seem to have that extra motivation. You know, maybe this was motivating yeah. him. And you're a NASCAR historian. As I mentioned, this is a serious chance of a, a split cup championship for the first time since 1963, which was with Joe Weatherly. It's happened only one other time before that. That was in 1954. Yeah. That involved your grandfather, grandfather. Lee Petty, yeah. uh, was one of the sides of that. So put this in the perspective of what would this mean to have a split championship for the first time so, in 60 years? You know, so here's the thing, and I hate to, <laughs> I hate to put it this way. Here, here's the here's the difference, or here is the, here's the difference between then and now. Okay, is this the the way this has played out, and the way it is? We got here because of the 45 team. So we got here because of an injury. Right. We got here because of an accident for all intents and purposes, has ended the full-time career of Kurt Busch. And that's not where we were in 63, and that's not where we were in 54, 53, 54. At that period of time, you had guys that would – Kyle Petty would take his race car. I'm an owner, and I'd pull into Asheville Weaverville, and there'd be six drivers standing here. And I'd pick whichever one I thought was going to be the best driver in my car that night. Right. And Glenn Wood won the championship. Glenn Wood as right. a driver in, or as an owner in 63 – but Weatherly drove for Glenn Wood. Curtis Turner drove. I mean, so many guys drove for Glenn Wood. And Joe Weatherly drove for Cliff Stewart. He drove for Bud Moore, I think. He drove for a lot of different people that year. Yeah. Five, five or six people, I think, he drove for that yeah, year. Yeah, I'm looking this up. Uh, Weatherly drove for nine teams, nine teams. in 1963. And when I tweeted yeah. that out, like somebody tweeted me back, wait, he drove for nine teams? It's like, well, yeah. yeah, it was 1963. Great. That's exactly <laughs> right. So, so the, how you got there in 63 and how you get there now is two totally yeah. different things. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think the, the funny part is one of those things where we'll have a disasters and it, it will just be an anomaly that this happened. And you hope it never happens again because the only way it can happen is if you have a driver injured or if you have something really tragic happen to change, to shuffle the playing field because you're not going to get 16 drivers. You're not going to get nine drivers drive one car for Rick Hendrick, you know what I mean, and put it in that. We've seen it in Xfinity, you know, with, with the Penske stuff and with with the um, JGR. Yeah, that, Gibson, Penske. Yeah, Gibson, Penske. We, we've, yeah, we've, seen, the, we've yeah. seen those guys do it. Mm -hmm. And that's a different – but at this level, you just don't see it anymore. So I think, I think it will be 
more than historic, okay, and, and I, I look at it this way, more than historic, I think it'll just be an anomaly where you look at it and you just say, yeah, but here's why that happened. Yeah. It shouldn't happen. And it, we hope it never happens again for these reasons, but this is about the only way you can get there. So it's not something you can really celebrate no. as much as you could no. in you, the 50s you, or 60s. No, I, but no, because you didn't, you didn't, you were put in this position. Right, right. Yeah, you didn't race your way into this position. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you didn't. The only time that we're going to get into that is, I think, if we're going to team race, if everybody's going to team race, then give take the top two finishers of each team and give them points. Because now you've included Trackhouse. Now you've included Petty GMS. Take those teams and then have a team championship. Yeah. But it's just the top two players. You, it's you like know the what F1 mean? constructors championship. Championship, type yeah. Model. yeah, yeah. And even if you, even if I'm, even if I'm Rick Hendrick, and I have to declare my two players at the beginning of the hmm. year, or I am yeah. Stuart Haas, and I have to declare, at least it gives a team something to celebrate because you've done it as a team, and it gives teams like front row or somebody like that. I've thought about that before too, just because of, of the same reason yeah. of the Formula yeah. One stuff, because it gives you, it does give you that sense of accomplishment that you've done something that we've put a small team in the top four you know with the, that we at petty gms or we at you know front row that we scored more points than two of rick hendrick's cars all year long you know what i mean that we put ourselves in that position that is a nice motivating factor and of course on the team owner side the big money comes from the, the oh the yeah championship yeah. so yeah. if <laughs> we we talk we give a driver a trophy and we talk about it and all that stuff yeah. but that's the beauty pageant the real money goes on behind if the kyle larson wins the team owners championship and rick hendrick has a driver in the yeah. championship for he doesn't win it rick's going to be a little bit disappointed yeah. but that yeah. check will probably make that's up exactly for right. a lot of it on the yeah. team owner side so Martin Truex Jr. ends up finishing in sixth, sixth place. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a pretty good rally, but, and you talked about this in post-race, KP. I mean, just another instance in which I don't know what Martin Truex Jr. has done to deserve this kind of luck this year. And, and you mentioned it, like the start of his cup career was much like this, where it yes, just that's exactly like right. nothing ever broke his way going all the way through the Richmond fiasco yep. and then him losing his ride at that's Michael right. Walter Bracey. All of that. And, all of but that. then he goes to Furniture Row and uh, to your point, like from 2015 to 2019, that's right. it felt like everything, everything did clicked. go his way. And now this year... He's back to <laughs> New Hampshire, Nashville. Yep. In the playoffs, we've got Darlington, Kansas, Texas. All these instances in which he could have been the latest winner. He's trying to become this season's 20th winner. How do you think it's weighing on Martin right now, knowing that he contemplated retirement this year, and he said, like, I just want this year to be over, and yet it's just like he just keeps getting beaten down every week, yeah. it seems like, still. So that, that's, a, that's a great question because – so listen, I got – I'm Kyle. I got all kinds of theories. <laughs> That's why we have you. Yeah. So, but but and and I've said this before. I, I think Martin, the, the the first part of Martin's career was, you know, it was he was in a lot of ways, it, he was Eeyore. You know, <laughs> thanks for noticing me. I run second again. I don't think I'm ever going to break through. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. And and it was. You felt so bad for him because you knew he had the talent. You knew Martin Truex was a race car driver that could race, that could win races, that could do great things. And you looked at where he was at, and you thought, he should be doing great things. What, what is the problem? Why is it 99.9% of the stuff is going right for him, and it's that 0.1% that takes him out of all these races? And it's just like getting spun on pit road. That's 0.1% of something that should happen to you at a racetrack. So you look at it, and you think, man, it's never going to happen. And then he and Cole Pern and Furniture Row, and you look at that, and it's like, oh, my gosh. This is the culmination of all the work he's put in, of everything he's done. This is it. And then he ends up where he's at again this year. And you look at it and you think, how did he get back to this? How did, how did we regress back to this? 
And this is a Kyle Petty thing, okay? So I, I won't blame this on anybody <laughs> but Kyle Petty, okay? And third person is I believe in a lot of ways as a professional athlete, and I've seen it with other guys, and I'm not saying this is happening to Truex, but it's got to be in there somewhere. When, when you ask me, I'm Martin Truex, and you say, are you coming back next year? And I say, I'm thinking about it. Then I'm done. Yeah, your decision's already been made. It's, it's been made. Yeah. It's been made. No race car driver that I ever knew that won races and run up front consistently and did it all the time ever had a doubt where they would be next year, ever had a doubt where they would be next week. You know what I mean? They knew exactly where they were going to be. We went through that deal with Earnhardt where he had a had a flat time, and everybody's like, well, is it time? And he'd look you in the eyes. No. No. It's not. <laughs> it's not time. Richard Petty, until the day he got out of one, would tell you, no, it's not time. And, and that's the way Bobby was. That's the way all the great drivers that I grew up with, that I knew when they were retiring, it's like once they said, I'm retiring, it went someplace different. To that time, if you would ask them about it, they would just, they'd get in your face. I mean, that was an insult to ask, are you coming back? Are you, what are you thinking about? You know, that's an insult because you should know I'm coming back. Why would you think I'm not coming back? You know what I mean? That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And so we're just in a different time. So I don't know if that – I like to think that it's not playing there. But in my mind, I've seen it play in people's heads before. So, listen, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn. I didn't go <laughs> – I'm not a psychologist. But I'm just saying that it seems to be that that's the way this year has gone. Yeah. Since we've gone through that little piece of, I don't know, I don't know, I'm back. Boom. That's it. You know, and we can say what we want to, but I'll throw Eric Almirola into that category too. I'm going home. Oh, somebody's got some money. I'll stay another year. You know what I mean? And they've not showed up this year either. Yeah. yeah and not that Stuart Haas Racing has, but I'm just saying it's a weird place to be in your head. you got to be 100% committed, not just a little committed. Well, maybe it'll turn around next year or even maybe next week in Martinsville. Obviously, Truex has had a lot of success yeah, there. Um, for sure. We're, we're going to get out of here talking about Martinsville. A driver that goes into Martinsville with – a lot of work to do now, unfortunately, is Ryan Blaney, who for the second straight week, self-induced mistake, now 18 points below the cut line after, as he told Kim Kuhn, he downshifted like a moron uh, when he meant to upshift coming out of the pits. That spun him out, leads to this mediocre finish that has him, as I said, 18 points below the cut line. You said something interesting post-race, KP. Marty asked you, how do you get Ryan Blaney refocused? And you said, I don't know if you can because yeah. it's been two weeks in a row that he's made this mistake and he's admitting it. What's your outlook for, for what Ryan What is the Blaney? name of this podcast? The NASCAR NBC podcast. It seems like it's head cases with helmets. Okay. That, that <laughs> we can rename that it. That seems I, to be. I actually like that. I could look at some yeah, rebranding that, for that, 2023. Listen, I don't think you can. I don't think he can come back. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's gotten so deep in his head that he can't. Listen, I think he has so much personality and is so good for the sport. In so many ways, in so many ways for, for, for that generation, for those guys, he's just, he's a guy, you know what I mean? I mean, he's, man, I want to be Ryan, you know, I want to be Ryan Blaney. Yeah. That, that's it, yeah. man. I want to do the things he's done. I want, I want to be that guy. But I think so many things have happened and he's allowed them to get in his head that now he's making things happen. And, and, and that's, that, that's the problem. Okay. We, we grow up and it's first, second, third, fourth. <laughs> It's an H pattern. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So in that strange way, it's muscle memory. It's muscle memory from the time he drove anything, any type of car. It's just a muscle memory. And when you go 
first, second, third, third, second. You yeah. know what I mean? Or yeah. whatever, whichever gear he went to. It's like, it's muscle memory to go to third, but you went back to second. It, you know, and it, it's it's a, you're lost up there somewhere. Yeah. You know, because you bypassed what you know and just went back to something that was just ingrained in you. And and that's where I say he's lost. He's overthinking so much up there that sometimes he defaults to what used to be. You know what I mean? Whether it's what the car's doing, whether it's how the car's driving, whether it's different things. He, his, his default place is, is not a good place. And I just think that once you get to that place and we are, what is this, 34 races into a season, no wins, more stage wins than pretty much anybody else, has won the second stage like six or seven times, you know, have, has, a great point. has been yeah, there. It's a great and, point. and you've done all this stuff. It's kind of like the Truex thing where, well, what do I got to do? You know what I mean? Well, you got to get out of your way, you know, and you, you get, just got to free it up and you, you got to get out of your way. And I just, I'm, it's sad to watch him because you want him, damn, I, I still want him. And, I wanted him and Truex to be 20 and 21, you know, yeah, as yeah, far as the winners. Right. I don't think you're going to get that now because I think this other group's getting ready to play big ball. But I, I look at it and I think there's n- there's no shame in calling a sports psychologist. You know, there's no shame in, in trying to, to get get help. We have Josh Wise who physically trains us. Why don't we have someone mentally train us? There's no shame in that, man. Get it done. Somebody somebody needs to. If if I if when I drove, uh, if I could have gone and, and found somebody to help my head, I would. You know, I I would have. Didn't exist when I drove. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not in this sport. You know right. what I mean? But it didn't exist. So I think when you look at it, I think he's got to get out of his way. But I think with two races ago, it's way too late to get out of your own way. Yeah. And and you know to think that he is mentally strong enough or that team is good enough to go to to Martinsville and have a walk off, I just don't think they're in that place. I, I just don't see that team. It's a hard, hard track to flip the switch at. Oh, and yeah. uh, you said it, like, he's got to score maximum stage points, lead laps, possibly win, and that means he's got to qualify well. And That's well, right. You said post-race at Homestead that this is the most important qualifying session yes, for, the, for these guys in their career at Martinsville. I- explain why. I believe this is the most important qualifying session that these guys maybe have ever gone through in their life, yeah. at, at Martinsville especially, because we have heard, we, we go into Texas, and you've got Chase Elliott, in Texas, the guy with the most stage points, the most everything, pre-race, they interview him, and I, I made a joke of it after after they did the interview. I said, okay, today's drinking game word is points because <laughs> Chase Elliott just said it 15 times in an interview. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, we go to yesterday, post-race, Denny Hamlin talks about points. Right. Ross Chastain talks about points. Everybody talks about points. I didn't hear a single driver say, we're going to go there and win. That's, nobody said that. Nobody said, we're prepared for Martinsville. Mm. We're going to go there and win. That's what our goal is. Everybody said, we're going to go up there and we're going to maximize our points. You know, we're going to run the best we can. You know, we hope, but we're going to maximize our points. So what that tells me is we're going to go stage points racing to a, for a large degree, and especially in that first stage, especially that first stage. If Ross Chastain comes out of that first stage and gets eight or nine points, stage points, Man, he's looking good. In the yeah, he's yeah. L- he's looking good. Yeah. So why wouldn't you put it all on the line? But to get those stage points, you got to qualify out there because you're not going to qualify 21st like Denny Hamlin's been doing lately and find your way into the top eight or ten or the top four or five right. at Martinsville. 
Yeah. Not not in one You're not state. Not under 30th to 5th and 100 laps. Not in Martinsville. Not doing. in Martinsville. Yeah. Not yeah. unless there's a huge wreck and they take everybody yeah. out and everything shifts and all this stuff. So and there are are always extenuate, but straight up racing. I'm just saying straight up racing because everybody will come back with you. Well, what about if and buts? But the thing is, you just can't do it. And the first race we heard. Everybody complained. You can't pass here. You can't. I don't think this race is going to be that way because I think the guys have had 34 races with this car. So they've learned different things about the car. They've learned different things. Tires different. They've learned different things about all this stuff. So I don't think we're going to have that. But it's still going to be incredibly hard to pass each other. I mean, we talk about it at big tracks. Why aren't we going to? It's going to be the same thing here. So I think to go up there for Ross, for Chase, for Denny, for William, for Seabell, Chase Briscoe, for all those guys, everybody that's on that list, those other seven drivers, take Joey Logano out of it. But for those seven drivers, they need to go up there and be one through seven. They need to be, go up there and just be one through seven, dude. You know, just eliminate it. Just go in there and do what you got to do because that is going to be where your weekend starts. Yeah. That's where your weekend starts. And chances are if your weekend doesn't start good there, your weekend's not going to end well. That's a good plug to watch the cup qualifying session this Saturday at Martinsville. And then the race Sunday will be on NBC. And afterward, this guy will be giving his opinions. Kyle Petty, always a pleasure having you on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Appreciate it. And we appreciate Kyle Petty for joining us on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Thanks to producer Aaron Feldstein and motorsports manager Emily Conboy for coordinating KP's appearance. NASCAR heads to Martinsville Speedway this weekend. That hugely important cup qualifying session will be Saturday on the USA Network at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And then coverage of the Xfinity Series cutoff race to set the Championship 4 field will begin Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. For the Cup Series in Martinsville, coverage will get started Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Check out NBCSports.com slash NASCAR for detailed schedules, start times, and coverage, as always. And every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on USA, it's the new docu-series Race for the Championship. This is the inside look at the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. In the world of NASCAR, every driver has their story. The new docu-series Race for the Championship will give you an all-access pass behind the scenes like you've never seen before. Catch Race for the Championship Thursdays at 10 Eastern, 9 Central on USA. If you have any NASCAR NBC podcast feedback, you can send to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan. Is my Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast.